Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. And so it is. It is deadline day, at least in terms of the franchise tag to and change. After 4 o'clock Eastern today, no team can apply the franchise or transition tag to any player. We're happy to have you along with us as we are back from the Combine in Indianapolis. I'm Wendy Nix, Jeff Darlington, Damian Woody, and Mike Tannenbaum. Mike T, what's Mike up, T? man? Former Jets GM, just recently the executive VP of football operations for the Dolphins, and we're happy to have you with us. A perfect day for you to give us some perspective. So don't go anywhere. All right, great to be your guest. All right. Uh, as a reminder, here's a quick explanation of the franchise tag and how it can be used. It was introduced back in 1993. It's a one-year guaranteed deal that prevents a player from hitting free agency. And that player's salary is based on the five-year average cap percentage for the tag at each respective position. Let's take a look at some notable names who could or could not be franchised. Robbie Gold, the first player to get the franchise tag this year. He's the Niners kicker, made a league-high 72 field goals the last two seasons. He's missed just three. D. Ford, one of several edge rushers who was tagged on Monday. However, the Chiefs could still look to trade the outside linebacker as they move from a 3-4 to potentially a 4-3. The Texans are hanging on to edge rusher Jadeveon Clowney. He leads Houston with 18.5 sacks over the last two seasons after just 10.5 over his first three where he dealt with a fair amount of injury. Frank Clark staying in Seattle. He's had a career-high 13 sacks last season. The 25-year-old has recorded at least nine sacks each of the last three seasons. Defensive tackle Grady Jarrett got the tag from Atlanta, best known for his three sacks in Super Bowl 51. The former fifth rounder has increased his sack total in each of his four seasons. And for the second straight year, much like Le'Veon Bell, Demarcus Lawrence got the tag from Dallas. He earned over $17 million on the tag last year. It will be about 20 this time around. Trey Flowers might be the best edge rusher who did not get tagged. The defensive end led the Patriots in sacks each of the last three years and could cash in on the open market. And Landon Collins received word today that he will not receive the franchise tag. The Giants' safety has reached three straight Pro Bowls and was an all-pro back in 2016. As a result, Collins issued the following statement. I want to thank the Giants organization for believing in me and allowing me to have a f- four great years in New York. I can't express how great it was to play with my teammates and in one of the greatest cities in the world. I will forever cherish my time in the blue and white and the relationships I have built in the building and in my community. Now on to the next chapter. We'll talk in just a minute about what that next chapter may look like. But first, perhaps a little perspective, because right. there's always a head scratcher. I think for everybody, this one qualifies this time around. No doubt. And maybe we shouldn't be surprised because general manager Dave Gettleman made pretty clear at the combine that this was a team with $27 million in cap space, that this was a player who's going to require taking 10.5 under the tag. And he also wanted to have another $10 million at the start of the season to kind of have a little leeway. So Gettleman already hinted that this was a possibility. All I keep thinking about is when Gettleman was with Carolina, he tagged Josh Norman and then several months later rescinded that tag because there was a breakdown in long-term negotiations. 
This, to me, feels like Gettleman trying to avoid another one of those situations where he feels like he's not going to get that long-term deal done with Collins and then Collins ultimately will become a distraction. A, a matter of opinion here, it, it feels like he took the wrong lesson from it, to be honest. I, I, like, Right, there's two different directions you can go yes, when you, could, you look you, back. You could go, say, we're going to tag him and we're, gonna, or we're just going to get the long-term deal done. Or you could say, we're not even going to deal with the potential of rescinding him. Because Gettleman did say at one point when it came to Josh Norman, I will never, ever let that happen again. Very clearly today, we are seeing that he does not want that distraction to happen again. But, but, you know, Jeff, just from a front office perspective, one thing, you know, Landon Collins may be leaving, guys, but look at the connection between James Betcher, the Giants defensive coordinator, and take someone like the Honey Badger. Five years together in Arizona, there's a connection there. And when you're investing a lot of money in a player, as you know, Damian, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that that player is put in a position to be successful. So there's a connection there. So they may be losing Landon Collins today, Jeff, but who knows, maybe a week from now we're talking about the Honey Badger going to the Giants. Well, and that's what happens this time of year, right? The the new league year begins March 13th. We'll start to see a lot of movement. But let me ask you this, Mike, and, and not in particular to Landon Collins, but sort of a macro picture as someone who's been in the front office, Making these decisions, what goes into whether you tag a player or choose to, to move in a different direction? Yeah, Wendy, typically there's three factors that go into it. Simply, you want to keep the player. Uh, I've done that a few times where you have a good player. Um, for whatever reason, you can't get a deal done. You want to use the franchise tag. Secondly, maybe you're going to trade the player. Last year, we were in a situation with Jarvis Landry, good, young, talented player. Couldn't reach an agreement. We tagged him. Obviously, he was able to get a long-term deal done with Cleveland. Uh, At the Dolphins, we were able to reach an agreement with the Browns. So that was a deal that worked out well for everybody. So you can possibly, you know, tag him to trade him. And then lastly, sometimes you want to be proactive. So let's look at the situation. You mentioned Robbie Gold in San Francisco. He had a lot of success in Chicago. Chicago had a high-profile signing last year in Cody Parkey. They announced that he's leaving. Now all of a sudden, if you're San Francisco, you have a a successful kicker. You don't want to lose him. You want to tag him because obviously you're worried maybe he could go back to the Bears. You think the Giants are making a mistake, Damian? I think I personally do. I think I think Landon Collins is one of the best safeties in the National Football League, depending on how he how you use him. He's not the type of guy that's one of what they call the a, a deep third type safety guy. That's a, a free safety. He's more of an in the box blitz, kind of like the way to just use Jamal Adams. He's like that's the type of guy that I see Landon Collins. But when I look at Landon Collins and the Giants, I, look, I think back to Dave Gettleman, who spent his time in Carolina. The way they built their team is on the on the front, the defensive front. They didn't really spend a lot of money in the secondary. So I think from a philosophical standpoint, that might be falling in line with Dave Gettleman, how he's you know been able to build teams. To your point, though, like the year after, and again, like I, I'm Dave Gettleman's far smarter than I am in this regard, way smarter. But like the year after the Carolina went to the Super Bowl, what was the biggest issue that they had? Their defensive backfield was completely thinned out with like really young guys who weren't necessarily coming together, and we know what that led to. And ultimately, there were also plenty of people who believed that what happened with Josh Norman led to Dave Gettleman's departure. And maybe Gettleman will learn his lessons and do it right this time around, but maybe they get Honey Badger. But this right now is a very thin secondary, and the best player in that secondary is now out the door. Right. And Jeff, today is March 5th. You know, last time I checked, we're not kicking off for a few months here. So the safety market's very deep, unusually deep in free agency. You know, we already talked about the Honey Badger. 
Aha Clinton Dix, another Alabama safeties out there. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, excuse me, uh, Lamarcus Joyner. There's a number of other safeties that are out there. So, you know, from a standpoint of, hey, they didn't franchise the player, but we have a long, long way to go for the offseason. So, uh, I agree. It does look like a thin, giant secondary, but let's see where they are yeah. in a few weeks. Let's talk about Demarcus Lawrence, to your point, for, for just a minute, because I think everybody's a, a little bit gun-shy, if you will, after what happened last year with Le'Veon Bell. We hadn't seen that. We hadn't yeah. seen a player just sort of say, you know what, no, thank you, I'll set out an entire year. Does this have the potential to get messy, or do they get a long-term deal with I think that. they'll get a long-term deal done. And, and I think, look, Jerry Jones, usually, usually when he speaks, like we don't have a long history of him saying something and it not happening. He's been pretty adamant and avid about that this is a guy who's going to get yeah, a long-term deal done. The problem with it is when we start like seeing the, the franchise tag being used for the potential to do a long-term deal, I always feel like the player is like, well, no, after this year, I'm a free agent. My market will be this, so you're going to pay me like this now. So I feel like it creates this natural dissension between the organization and the player. That being said, like he has made clear, DeMarcus, I mean, this is a guy, DeMarcus Lawrence, Lawrence for the back-to-back years with double-digit sacks for the first time since DeMarcus Ware. He's done it two years in a row. So it's, there's no reason for the Cowboys not to say, look, we want you here. We're going to pay you what the market says to pay you. I think from a player's perspective, this is the frustrating thing about the franchise tag. This is the first, the first time they tagged him, it was more, okay, you had a good year. Let's see you do it again. Right. Well, guess what? You did it again. You did it again. And saying. now you get, you're getting franchise tagged again. So from a player's perspective, it's like, Okay, what more do I need to do in order to, to get this long-coveted, long-term I'll tell you, deal. Damien, what they need to do. They need to wait till 2020 and change the collective bargaining agreement and put their feet in the ground on Don't this one. Don't you dare. Don't start yet. <laughs> yeah. Don't start yet. And to Damien's point, if you look at the recent history of players that got franchised back-to-back, you can look at Kirk Cousins in Washington, Tremaine Johnson with the Rams. Both those players moved on to new teams after getting uh, franchised back-to-back. So, Jeff, to your point, I think the window is closing to get a long-term deal done for Lawrence because after getting franchised back-to-back, the recent history looks like that could be a player moving on to another team. Well, you're right. I mean, I think Kirk Cousins could write the book on how to make it work in your favor with right. the back-to-back mm-hmm. franchise tags and moving on. But you're right. When you look at those guys who get to, they, normally that means yeah, just yeah. They're, they're moving on. But I, it's hard to imagine in Dallas, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, add one player to the avoided the franchise tag list. Our Adam Schefter reporting. The Buccaneers are giving uh, OT Donovan Smith a three-year, uh, just over well, forty-one and a quarter million dollar deal, including twenty-seven million fully guaranteed at signing. That is according to his sources. So to recap what we know right now about Antonio Brown, the Steelers have agreed to try to trade him after he met with team owner Art Rooney. GM Kevin Colbert spoke at the Combine, said that interest has risen in Brown. However, he also emphasized any trade would require significant compensation. Brown is also due a $2.5 million bonus on March 17th. That's coming up. The Steelers will have to pay him that if he's still on their roster at that point, whether he's cut or traded. He will account for $21.1 million in dead money on the salary cap if he is not on the Steelers' roster. As for which teams are interested, Adam Schefter reporting the Redskins, Titans, and Raiders are the three teams currently showing the most interest in A.B., though that can change. Those teams all finished in the bottom six in scoring offense last season. As we say hello, Jeff Darlington is here. He's the one, of course, who had the opportunity to spend some time with Antonio Brown and I guess, you, you know, you've talked about this, but as the days continue to move on, mm-hmm. what's been the reaction and the fallout from, from his side, if you will, of the story? Oh, I think that um, 
It's just it's very interesting just to understand kind of where he's coming from. We I, like I know a lot of people think that they're hearing a ton from him right now, but we hadn't for quite a long time heard from him in terms of his interpretation and perspective on what happened with the Steelers. At this point, like I, I feel like he's a guy who's trying to turn the page but doesn't feel like he can do that until he finds a new team. And very clearly, he still has his feelings about what happened with the Steelers. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, one of the interesting things, we heard him talk about how he doesn't need football uh, anymore. Let's be very clear. He, I, I, every aspect of my day with him, he wants to continue to play football. I do not, for, despite the fact that he's saying, I, I don't need football, I don't feel like this is a guy right now who is even considering the potential of retirement. That's certainly not the, the way I took it either. Yeah. It doesn't seem to be the case. So we'll assume that's to be true. And Mike, you know, tell me what's going through your mind or the process if you're a GM. We know it's undisputed what he can do between the lines. Okay, that's clear. But there's other things that come with it. What, what's the conversation like when you're thinking about trading for a guy like A.B.? Sure. You look at Jeff's uh, point of view, talking about from the Steeler, Steeler side, from all the 31 other teams, it could be an opportunity been in that situation before we trade for Braylon Edwards or Santonio Holmes, same player, same you position. You did this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And basically, you want to go through a process of knowing exactly you know, what happened, why did it happen, and how can we fix it. And he's in a situation, let's face it, the contracts can be part of the discussion. So you would try to reach an agreement with Kevin Colbert and the Pittsburgh Steelers, but then you want to bring him in. You want to talk to him. You also want to talk to his agent because right now, Antonio Brown has no guaranteed money left. He's going to be 31. Obviously, he's looking for another bite of the apple. So to reach an agreement in principle on not only the contract, but also with the Steelers. And you want to make sure that you iron out any of the problems he may have had in Pittsburgh before you bring him in. So, Mike, specifically to that point, what's interesting here to me is I don't under like the Steelers haven't allowed him to shop himself. And like you could say the Steelers are like, well, we don't want him to do. We're not trying to do him any favors, but at the same time, I think that would probably do a favor for the Steelers, too. Right. Because you're allowing him to kind of look these GMs in the eyes and say, hey, I, I, I want to still do this for your team. Um, and, and until that happens, it'll be interesting. It only takes two teams to create the leverage that you need to make that trade well, happen. Well, sure, but I would think if any GM across the board is going to need to hear it from him, is going to need to hear him say, hey, I'm committed, I'm leaving these issues behind me. But at this point, that's not something, I, Drew Rosenhaus right. has not been given the power to do no, that. No, and, and I agree with you. I think the Steelers have to do what's best for the Steelers, but right. that may be what's best for Pittsburgh. Damien, where, where does he fit in your estimation? I would love to see A.B. in Green Bay. I mean, think about it. It's Green Bay has always been like this kind of safe organization. You know, we're going to draft and develop. Draft and develop. And Rodgers you know not I mean? getting any younger, all right? Like, why? I, I would love to see Green Bay to take a, just a little bit of a chance. Could you imagine AB with Devonte with Devonte Adams? And you are, I, I got one. I, got I mean, one. that that we're spitballing. I got one for yeah, you. Go ahead. Why stop now? The New Orleans Saints. Now, here's the thing. It's the perfect place for him. It's the perfect city for him. What are you looking at me for? Say what you're saying. You, say. no, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff there. You, you've, got, you've got a guy in Sean Payton, who's this offensive-minded yes. guy, a headstrong quarterback in Drew Brees. You've got the offensive guys in that locker room who I think would embrace him. The only thing is, the reason that this is just spitballing is because if I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's no way I'm sending right. him to win a Super Bowl. And, and I'll tell you this, they really don't have the draft capital, Jeff, so I know what you're saying. Yeah. They'd have to come, basically the value would have to be like to the point where it's like a fourth-round pick. And Right. Another team with a lot of draft capital, a new GM, John Gruden, yeah. Mike Mayock. Certainly you know, the Raiders, like they, have, they have multiple first-round picks. And, and again, they, they need a lot of weapons. And you talk about, you know, an organization, you know, you said that, you know, Green Bay has played safe. You know, since John's been there, basically, you know, they let go – you know, Khalil I would Mack, say the Mark opposite Kobe. is right. true in Oakland. Right. right. So they, they need to add some talent. 
He's, he's had six consecutive 100-yard catch seasons. He's 31. They could get another good three or four years of production out of him. So, to me, the Raiders and Antonio Brown make sense if Pittsburgh and Oakland can get a deal done. Yeah. Well, and let's keep in mind, we, we'll say this 100 times between now and April 27th, but they have three first-round picks, four, 24, and 27. So, Oakland can do all kind of things. I realize that that's not directly related to the draft, but it all yeah. plays and Make no together. mistake about it. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be looking to send Antonio Brown to the equivalent of it's not Bourbon Street, just saying. But truly, like, there's no – I mean, like, if you're, if it's Oakland, yeah, Oakland might be in the conference, but but it's still it's not Siberia. a team that's going to be in the Super Bowl. It's Siberia. Yeah, the black hole is It's the new Siberia? Yeah. Yeah. I think that could change quickly. You know, you get they are Carver, going to Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got a couple of weapons with a number of – uh, first-round picks they have, I think that could turn pretty quick. Well, and not only that, they are setting themselves up. I think it's pretty clear that what Oakland do, Oakland is doing is managing to their move. You know, they are managing to that first year in Las Vegas. And if you want to make a splash, I feel right. like this might make one. Just, you know. It'll be fun wherever it goes. Again, just over two hours now until 4 o'clock Eastern. That is notable on the NFL calendar because it is the final day that teams can use the franchise or the transition tag on players. They'll have between now and July 15th to work out a long-term deal. But after 4 o'clock Eastern today, if you have not been tagged, you will not be. So here are some upcoming dates, and it's going to get real busy real fast. The combine in the books, everybody done with that after the D-backs worked out yesterday, March 11th. Uh, what we like to call sometimes legal tampering. Clubs can negotiate with agents. They can begin the conversations March 13th, let it all begin. The free agent frenzy, it's the start of a new league year. And then at the end of the month, March 24th through the 27th, the annual league meeting. Add to that, of course, the upcoming NFL draft. That will be at the end of the month, at the end of next month, I should say, toward the end of April. So really, Mike, you know this well. It's interesting, as busy as the season is for coaches and players, for front offices, this is really when the bulk of the work, the meat of the work, if you will, is being done. We're back from the combine, all right? We all boarded up, flew back last night, so it's all done. So take me through what's going on in front offices today. Yeah, what do you said? This is when we get busy. I feel like we've remained busy. You know, yes. We got to you know, deal with things that happen with the coaching, other front office moves. And now the, the Tuesday after the combine is a huge moment for the front office and your organization because you come back from Indy, you've done your evaluations. Free agency, as you just saw, is one short week away. And how do we put the big picture together? How do we put the pieces together to help our team looking at both free agency and the draft? Well, it's funny. Mike looked at me like I had five heads. I said, you don't get today off? Because I was feeling sorry for myself. He said, no, you definitely do not get today off as we move forward. And neither do you, Wendy. And neither do yeah. we, Jeff. Yeah. All right, we're going to go through three teams that we expect to be quite busy. they got a lot of question marks. Of course, in this situation, they have the first overall pick in April's draft. So, Mike, if you're the Arizona Cardinals, uh, give me some perspective here. Yeah, so here, here's, you know, you're Steve Kime, you're Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury. You come back, and hit, starting with, hey, what do we do with the first pick? Do we take Nick Bosa, a young pass rusher from Ohio State University, Obviously, when you do that, guys, you're going to keep Josh Rosen, the player that you traded up for just one year ago. Or scenario two, do we take the hot guy, Kyler Murray, quarterback from Oklahoma, pay him about $8.6 million over four years? If we do that, then, uh, you know, do we want to move on from, you know, Josh Rosen and trade him and then maybe sign a veteran defensive end? 
you know, there's another scenario, too, where possibly you draft Kyler Murray and you also keep Josh Rosen, and now you have two young quarterbacks. So from a big-picture standpoint, these are the two big scenarios. Well, obviously, Arizona is a team willing to move on quickly. They had a head coach for one year and decided to go in a different direction. But even so, I just still can't get my mind around the fact that you used a first-round pick last year and a quarterback and you're going to do it again. I, I know it happens, but what's what's the realistic scenario? Yeah, so I, I look, look at scenario one, guys. You know, let, let's just go back and look at Jared Goff. So a couple years ago, he's first pick in the draft. He's taken by a defensive coach in Jeff Fisher. He get, obviously, Sean McVay comes along. He greatly improves after one year. You look at Josh Rosen, they go from 15 to 10, and now you have Nick Bosa. And on the other side of the ball, Vance Joseph, right? You go back a year ago to Denver. They draft Bradley Chubb, pair him with Von Miller, and now you may have Nick Bosa to pair him with Chandler Jones. I really like that. So now you have Rosen, Bosa, and Jones. That's a great young nucleus for your team. Unless you get, unless you trade Josh Rosen and get a bounty for him, which I don't think is going to happen, you're is an admission of failure. This right here is a very good scenario if, in fact, Rosen works out. I realize you have to just make the decision that's best for your team, but if you in 365 days, Damian, got rid of a, the a head coach and a quarterback you drafted, Uh-oh. that feels like a. That was just the, the hell was the, the, is the Arizona Cardinals <laughs> doing? Can I, can I just say? Can I just say what's, every, what's on everybody's mind? Like, listen, in a matter of a calendar year, you get you hire a fire head coach, you you move up five spots to go get your quarterback, and now we're talking. And then you turn around and we're talking about getting rid of the guy you moved up five spots for to go draft Kyler Murray. Where's it might happen. By the way. It, it, this, I mean, it this could happen. realistically happen. So my question is. Where's the conviction in the front office? What's 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 really going on? Well, I tell you who does have conviction. It could right or wrong. Raiders go big or go home. They made some decisions that uh, had a lot of folks wondering what in the world, but uh, they stuck to it. So let's look now at the Oakland Raiders. Again, a reminder, you'll hear me say it many times, three first-round picks for 24-27. Mike. Yeah, so again, scenario one, you keep Derek Carr, quarterback, Damien, that you have conviction in. You paid him a big contract. Obviously, you need a pressure player. Uh, you lost Khalil Mack a year ago. Josh Allen could be there at number four. You know, you look at the value of that contract. You, they, you know, Khalil Mack's making $23 million a year. You got much better value with Josh Allen. And then, look, you're still there, guys, with two other first-round picks, 24 or 27. And maybe use one of those to send to Pittsburgh to try to get Antonio Brown. So now you've addressed your front seven. You got uh, an explosive player in Antonio Brown, and you've kept your quarterback. The other side of it is, hey, do we trade Derek Carr? He has a reasonably uh, moderate contract that if someone sees him as a starter, you certainly can trade him. And then maybe you take a quarterback with the fourth pick. You know, you st- in this scenario, you would still be able to uh, trade for Antonio Brown and possibly even sign Le'Veon Bell. So it starts with the analysis of Derek Carr, and then we go from there. Well, it was interesting talking to Mike Mayock. Obviously, a new GM, a new role for him. And he said, as did John Gruden, we are, we are committed to Derek Carr. But we are committed to Derek Carr. But, and I, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think they're looking at this thing holistically. I, nothing would surprise me, Damien. No, I mean, if you, anyone who, you know, watched the history of, uh, of John Gruden, he goes through a lot of quarterbacks. So it would not surprise me at all if this was on the table of, of trading Derek Carr. When you give a, a coach a 10-year contract, though, and, and you, you are committing to him being there a long time, you have the benefit of patience, and so does John Gruden, especially when they're, they have Las Vegas on their minds. I don't see them pushing for the quarterback at number four by any means if they don't have conviction in him. Well, but, 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 Jeff, because of the 10-year contract, 
and the fact that your head coach is a quarterback guy and he is the final decision maker, yeah. he may have conviction in Kyle Murray to say, hey, That's right. And if he does, yeah. right, right. do it. And, and we're going to build our offense around him. The challenge is going to be, hey, if this is Kyle Murray and we're going to build around us, what does your backup look like? And are, are you going to build your entire offense around him? Because obviously, you know, you've hired Carr, you've invested in him. So to me, you have to start with that decision. Um, Derek Carr has won a lot of games in this league. He's a good quarterback. And unless you could rush the passer, which they really struggled last year, it's going to be hard for them. And there's going to be a very good pressure player available at number four. Well, what's interesting, and I, I agree with you, you have the benefit of patience. It doesn't mean you're wired that way. Right, no. I'm not I, sure right. John Gruden is wired that way, but we'll see. Let's talk about the New York football giants. They're a quite a, a different situation than these other two teams. A veteran quarterback has done all he can for this team, but again, probably about that time at least to start thinking future. Sure, Wendy. And if you look at scenario one here, you could draft a quarterback. You keep Eli. He's in the last year of his contract. He just turned 38 years old. Obviously, this looks a lot like you know the Kansas City model a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid gets out there, trade for Alex Smith, draft Patrick Mahomes. The, the old, hey, let's win for today and develop for tomorrow. Scenario two, you know, draft an edge rusher. Uh, you know, Olivier Vera may or may not be on the trade block. He has a non-guaranteed contract. There's still uh, another interesting quarterback out there, Teddy Bridgewater, still a young player. Got to answer the question about health. If you feel great about Bridgewater, you could draft a pressure player at number six and then, again, have Eli for the year and then maybe move on to uh, Bridgewater after that. Well, let me ask you this. As we look ahead to March 13th, again, the start of a new league year, free agency, all that that entails. Are these conversations, but obviously with, with, with folks who are actually making the decisions, are these the actual conversations that are going on in front offices like these today, tomorrow, next week? Absolutely, Wendy. So we, we don't have the day off, unfortunately. And you say to yourself, what's the highest and best use of our resources to improve our team? We have a limited amount of money. We have a limited amount of draft choices. And what gives us the best chance to develop our program? And when you look at this, this is what Dave Gettleman, Pat Shermer, John Mara, this is what they're talking about. Knowing that you have a 38-year-old quarterback in the last year of his contract, we have to find his replacement at some point. Obviously, they got an impact player last year in Saquon Barkley, but we have to get the quarterback. We know the offensive line isn't ideal, but sitting there at number six, this may be an opportunity that, hey, we, we can have Eli pass the baton to his successor. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to stay out of Damien's dumpster fire because they were in there a number of times. <laughs> a number of times. They're saying, what can we do don't to be stay in, away? That's what they're doing. Yeah. That is actually you're, how it works. You'll witness yeah, it told. at some point. You don't want to be in the dumpster no, fire. No, sources yeah. tell me, stay out of the dumpster <laughs> yeah. fire. I, too, strive to stay out of the dumpster fire. Yeah. You're, you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, thank you. Really great perspective. We appreciate it. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Welcome to the Underwear Olympics. He is John Wayne. Kyler Murray is the first quarterback that is called out. I've never been the biggest guy on the field. I'm always the smallest guy on the field. But it was the most exciting measurement I ever saw in my entire life. The game's changing and everybody's, you know, going crazy about the stuff the college guys are doing. The height-weight-speed combination here is something that scouts just drool over. This guy has got it all over the place when you're just talking about raw power, raw speed, the ability to make big plays down the field. I, mean, I love chicken. I like Popeyes too much. You know, Bojangles, all that good stuff. One day I seen somebody riding a horse down the street and I said, hey, daddy, I want a horse. 
He got me another horse named Oreo. I swear that horse tried to kill me a couple times. Fighting with that horse, really the reason I became fearless. Antonio Brown, as we've acknowledged, I mean, we, we, we are looking into the possibility of trading him. I'm not going to talk about another team's players, but if, Kevin, you're out there, here's my cell phone right here. Ideally, you want to trade him to somebody you'll never play. Well, Dave, here's my cell phone over here. Oh, they can they can play. They can help us win. I don't care. To the end of the day, if you can play, you can play, and that's what it is. I mean, there is something about the combine. You know, just everybody's there. You oh, never by the know. end of it, everybody's just delirious. You're loopy. Yeah. Punch what are we do? Yeah. Do. I mean, I, feel, I still feel the remnants of yeah, it. Yeah, I think every. I think that I think they're seeing us both feel <laughs> feel the remnants. Uh, but let's start with this, Mike, because again, as someone who's been there, done that. You know, how true are these evaluations? You heard Dave Gettleman joke about the Underwear Olympics because we, we everybody, every year someone makes headlines and they do this and that at the Combine. How, how much does that tell you, really? Oh, it's look, it's a factor. We, we all pay attention to it. Like you said, we're all there in Indy. But you have to take it within context. And really what you'd like to have is the height, weight, and speed match the film, match the interview at night, and match the physical. And when all those boxes are checked, it's much easier to make a decision. Uh, when a player works out well, though, it's just really part of the story. And if the tape doesn't work out for whatever reason, um, that doesn't mean the player will, will be off the board. But then, hey, we've got to do a lot more work on this guy as we head into our final meetings in uh, late March, early April. It, it's clearly just one piece of the puzzle. The other interesting thing is there are players there who, let's say you're the Patriots or you're a team picking later in this draft, you think, why bother? There's no way they fall to us, but I would imagine that you have to be prepared for anything. You just don't know what can happen. Yeah, you know, Wendy, going back to 2016, you know, we go to Indianapolis and the Tennessee Titans have the first pick in the draft. They have a big need at left tackle. Everyone's like, well, they're going to take Laramie Tunsil. So, you're allowed to uh, interview 60 people at night for 15 minutes. Our general manager, Chris Gers, said, hey, we're going to interview Laramie Tunsil. I'm like, come on, Chris. One more interview? Really? So, we go through it, and to his credit, we were prepared. Obviously, there was a little bit of a bump in the road for Laramie on draft night, and the player that we had as the number one guy on our board fell all the way to us at 13, where we took him. turned out to be a great decision for us in Miami, but it all went back to falling back to our process, going through uh, and doing an interview with a player that, as you mentioned, Wendy, it was an unforeseen event that happened that turned into a great opportunity for us in Miami. Yeah, you can predict a lot of things. That one was, I imagine, not... You guys want to say it? You wore a gas mask. Yeah, smoking marijuana. Smoked some kind of substance out of a gas yeah. mask. Mm. Yeah, I guess we don't know what it was. Not, but, you know, it's not, that's not one you have on your list, like, well, this could happen. Well, that's right. You know? So let's be, let's be ready was unbelievable. the gas mask. But in fairness to him, though, football was really important. Yeah. He was a good person, and that came across... But you knew that, right. having that's interviewed a, that, him. That's exactly right. Every other team was panicking. I mean, every yeah. team was panicking. Because you don't know. Yeah. Because you don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, I talked about players who make headlines. Certainly DK Metcalf did. I oh. mean, the, the body fat alone got everybody's attention, but a 4-3-40, 27 reps on the bench that was tied for the most among wide receivers. Uh, Mike, tell me about DK Metcalf. Yeah, obviously, look, we're all intrigued by the height, speed, but I would say this, Wendy, we have to proceed with caution because he only has 67 catches in college little bit of an injury concern, and you look at guys recently, be it Rashad Perryman, Kevin White, or guy that we drafted in Miami, Devontae Parker, guys that had great height, weight, and speed at Indy, but have had mixed results at the pro level. So, look, he may turn out to be a great player, um, but there's still some more questions that have to be answered about him uh, because, look, the workout is great, but the production was okay in the SEC for a receiver. All right, another another winner, I guess you could say, if you will, Damian, was Montez Sweat. Yeah, I mean, listen, you're talking about a guy who was just off the charts. 4-4, 140. I mean, 
this guy is running faster 40 times than, you know, most of the running backs, in, in, you know, in, at the combine. So clearly this guy showed the explosiveness um, that he displayed on tape. He really has a burst coming off the ball. And when you, and like what Mike talked about, when you see the times in, in these drills match up to what you see on tape, that's a guy that more than likely is going to have a, a good chance of having his name called early on draft day. All right, Quinn and Williams. Yeah, listen, this guy was a dominant, dominant force all all year long uh, in the SEC, and he just validated his 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 status. I mean, this guy could be the number one pick in the draft, and no one would blink an eye. To see a 300-plus-pound man to move the way that he moved, uh, the, the agility, uh, the straight-line speed, he just validated everything that we saw, that everyone saw on tape throughout the whole year. Um, with Alabama, so he, he's a phenomenal prospect. We got to watch these guys this year, and it was it was fun. He was fun to watch. Absolutely, I mean, to see him move that way. Uh, we have to talk about the quarterbacks, uh, regardless of the impression they made, and Dwayne Haskins uh, certainly way at the top of the list. Yeah, I think the measurables are really what stood out for Dwayne Haskins. Not that this was a surprise to anybody. 6'3", 231 pounds. His vertical was there. He basically proved that he can be this pro-ready style quarterback that people expect him to be. Now, he had a really slow 40-time, 5.04 there, and uh, later, later kind of, I guess, blamed that on leg cramps. Look, I don't think that this, the running, I think plenty of teams will have plenty of chances to see this guy. And you, like, to Mike's point, like, you wanted to validate what you see on film. I don't think that 40 time will really do too much to him. Ultimately, I think Dwayne Haskins helped himself. The deep ball was really solid. And I think the scouts that I've spoken to really liked the way the ball was coming out of his hand. All right, he's over 5'10", Mike. His name is Kyler Murray. He did not throw at the combine, but he did get measured, and for some, that checked a lot of boxes. Yeah, including the, the unbelievable 9.5-inch hand, so we don't have to hear about that anymore. That's actually bigger than Patrick Mahomes or Will Greer in terms of hand size. It's actually the same as Mitch Trubisky, but I'll tell you what, one, one concern I have, one question I would really drill down is the competitiveness. So all his peers worked out on the biggest stage, and you know he didn't, and, and that would be something that he had never, you would never eliminate a guy for that, but not to work out in Indy with you know in prime time with everybody there, scouts, coaches, and all your peers competing. I really would want to find out why he made that decision. But you know from a measurable standpoint, comparable to Russell Wilson. So no no question about the ability, but I would want to have that question answered. Well, one question that will be answered the pro days here. That's when he will throw. Kyler Murray skipped the combine again. He's expected to work out at Oklahoma's pro day. Here's a list of notable pro days. His on March 13th. Clemson is the day after, and Alabama on March 19th. So scouts can just stay south. They can also see Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, and then Drew Locke, who's uh, really starting. You're starting to hear a little bit of buzz about at Missouri later on this month. One hour, 37 minutes now and change as we make our way towards the 2019 franchise tag deadline. What that means after 4 o'clock Eastern, no team can franchise a player. They can certainly try to work out a long-term deal. That deadline does not come until the middle of July. So far, we've seen six players get tagged, five of those on defense. Demarcus Lawrence was tagged for the second year in a row for the Cowboys, while Jadeveon Clowney, Frank Clark, and Dee Ford are the other edge rushers who also received the tag. Atlanta also took Grady Jarrett off the market. The Niners were the first to tag a player this offseason. They hold on to veteran kicker Robbie Gold. The question, of course, after you, after you receive the franchise tag, in most cases, is what's next? You know, what is the probability or the possibility of working at a long-term deal? Because that's how it's, you know, that's sort of the, the point, at least 
in theory. So let's look at some of these guys. We'll start with the guy who's getting it for the second year in a row, Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, handicap the odds of a long-term deal but, here. And to your point, Wendy, that's where it feels a little bit weird with the franchise tag because correct. it's like it's not supposed to be for that purpose, but it feels like that's becoming what it is, certainly in the case of Demarcus Lawrence because this is the guy who got the tag last year, has proven that he is a long-term answer for the Cowboys. They have admitted as much, and yet they, they are going to use the franchise tag to, again, extend the deadline to get the deal done. This one, of all of them, feels absolutely like the one that could and should get done by July 15th. Yeah, I, th- I think this is the one that should get done. This is a guy that, to me, he he's the the guy that sets the table for the Dallas Cowboys defense, which is their identity as a team is on the defensive side of the football. So he's proven now that he's a premier pass rusher in the National Football League, so this deal should get done. Yeah, and look, he's 27 years old. In the prime of his career, he's obviously been very productive the last two years. You look at you know the recent deals of Khalil Mack at $23 million a year. I think the market's pretty well set. I agree with you know, Jeff and Damian that th- this should be a deal that should get done. Let's talk now about D. Ford. He has been tagged, but there's also speculation that that's a tag and trade situation. This feels more strategic to me than anything because Justin Houston is still there. He's a guy that they're not going to keep both of these guys. Ultimately, it feels like they'll keep D. Ford and either trade or release Justin Houston. That clearly the logical move given the age of both the production, 11.5 sacks for D. Ford. Last year, I think that's right, <laughs> but but a lot of sacks. And I, and, I, and this is a guy, ultimately, that you want to build your defense around, a guy that they love in that locker room. Ultimately, I think D. Ford is on the team in 2019. And, and I think D. Ford's one of those guys that you draft him, and look, initially, his career did not get off to a good start. One and a half sacks, got up to 13 this past year. Now, you, you do have a new defensive coordinator, Coach Spagnola who's replacing Bob Sutton, so maybe there will be a little bit of a scheme adjustment, Damian. But, again, another young, productive pass rusher. If they move on from Justin Houston, which by all counts that's what they're going to be doing, it's hard to think that they're going to move on from both Justin Houston on one side right. and D. Ford on the other in the same offseason. I, I totally agree. I mean, this was a guy, as far as his background is concerned, they play in a 4-3 at Auburn. So it's not like he's not used to playing in a 4-3 yeah. type defense that they're running. You don't hire a defensive coordinator then trade the stud because of schematic You reasons. don't give a Way this, is just, this is just trying to get a little trade value going for Justin Houston, in my humble opinion. Okay, that's that's fair enough. Let, let me ask you this, Mike, because I I think it has to be health with the, with Devion Clowney. There, there, there seems to be some hesitance by the the Texans to commit long term. I'm assuming it's injury concern, although that seems to have been mitigated the past season or two. But uh, what do you think about Devion Clowney and that team working out a deal? Yeah, you know, he's played uh, 31 games over the last two years. And I can tell you, you know, we played Houston on a short week, guys, this past season. And Adam Gase was up to all hours of night trying to say, boy, how can we block Watt and Clowney, Watt and Clowney? Like, that's all you heard for three days. And the amount of pressure that puts on in another team's offense, as you know, Damien, as a former offensive lineman, it's hard to think that he could leave as well. So he's answered the question about his health. Um, you know, there's about a $1.7 million difference between if he's tagged as a linebacker or a defensive end. But regardless, they got to get in a room and say, hey, you're a Texan, you can't leave, and you and J.J. Watt are the cornerstones of our franchise, especially on defense. Well, it's funny, you know, when they were drafted, yeah. that's all, when, he, when, when they drafted Clowney, that is, that's all you could talk about, those two. And it took a little while to get them both on the field healthy I do, together. I, but. I do think the Texans will try to push this forward in 2019. I mean, and I'm, I'm not saying that he hasn't proven it, but he did miss training camp. I mean, from, I, I'm just I putting myself in their hesitant. position with the leverage that they'll try to create. He missed all of training camp and OTAs dealing with the knee injury. He also missed a game in the season. The back injuries only played one 16-game uh, season I, in 2017. Jeff, one thing I would say about that, though, like we talked about earlier, if you franchise a guy 
two years in a row. Recent history, be Tremaine Johnson with the Rams. It's not Kirk Cousins time. with yeah. the Redskins. He, he could be leaving going to 2020. And could you imagine a player of his ability and accomplishments as an unfettered free agent, that's, what he may get? And, and, and to your point, like I feel like that's the one thing – it, like, this is the chance for a team to get the best value, although players That's view right. it as, I'm not going to give you the deal because I'm going to get to free agency on my own. It so. just has a feeling that they're going to kick the can again. I do. I, I just, That's what I feel like, too. I, I agree with you. I, I it just, does feel that way. It just feels the way. I, I think last year w- was his best year. The way they deployed him and moved him all over the place. It, could you Again, could you imagine Clowney getting to free agency? It, it, would, it would be crazy. Pass rushers, man. Speaking of which, uh, again, let's circle back. The Giants have told Landon Collins they will not franchise him. He released a statement saying, you know, thank you, essentially. Uh, What's next for Landon Collins? A lot of money. Well, yeah. (laughs) Back out in the truck. The one thing I would point out is, like, not not only is he he now going to be a a free agent, but he's going to do it at the beginning of free agency. Like, when we talk about when I brought up the fact that Josh Norman ended up getting the tag and then rescinded and still got his monster deal with the Redskins, the goal of every player when it comes to free agency is to be available on day one. And the fact that he will be available on day one means Money, money, money. But, but except, money. here's the one exception to that this year could be the number of safeties that are going to be in the market. And if he's three or four, and it could be Clinton Dix, another Alabama safety, Earl Thomas, Honey Badger, like he's Honey Badger yeah. those three guys, if, if that moves Collins down to four or five because people feel he's a little bit more comfortable playing to the line of scrimmage, I think he'll get paid well, Jeff, but I don't know if he'll get the big, big deal that maybe an Earl Thomas or Clinton Dix gets. Well, again, the news coming. The Giants won't franchise Landon Collins, even if they they were going to. The time is running out. Four o'clock Eastern, the deadline today for franchising players. Press covers now from our own Adam Schefter. The Colts are giving defensive tackle Marcus Hunt a two-year, $9 million deal. Could be worth up to $10 million with incentives. Again, this is per Schefter's sources. Some notable news from Adam Schefter. Again, as we make our way toward the four o'clock Eastern Deadline to apply the franchise tag. The New England Patriots with three notable free agents, Trey Flowers, Trent Brown, and kicker Steven Guskowski, are not planning to use the franchise tag on any of the three. That's according to Field Yates and Adam Schefter. Barring a last-minute change, the three are now scheduled to hit the open market. And again, that would truly be a last-minute change because 4 o'clock is coming right up. But you know, not a huge surprise, I don't think, given that New England rarely goes this route. I, I might have suspected Guskowski. Well, but. The, the reason that you probably suspect that is that's exactly what they did in 2015. Right. And then they reached ding, a long-term ding, ding. deal with him. So that, that, I think, was the only really way that I could envision the Patriots using it. Of course, in the most boring way possible on a kicker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Patriots, you know, they're, they're one of the – they're one of the few teams that really know how to u- you know, really u- utilize the system, compensatory picks. So they just seem like they move on from guys. They get the compensatory pick. They get their first-round pick from last year. I was here win back. So they're and pretty good at that. that Trey Flowers hits, hits the market, and right. he'll be a marquee That's name. That's a great point. You know? yeah. And, and you know, back to Damian's point, if you look, why did Trent Brown get there? Because they let Nate Solder go. He signed a huge contract with the Giants. To Damian's point, they get a third-round pick this year. Isaiah Wynn comes back. So – Trent Brown is, is a player that they deem to be very replaceable as the left tackle. In terms of Trey Flowers, he's a very versatile player, 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three fit. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a long-term deal with him because he's young. He's 26. Um, you know, they'll be disciplined like they always have. So they probably said, hey, he's not worth you know, the $17 million to tag him. But I'm sure they'll be talking between now and next week to see if they get something done. That's a great point. Like, they let Dante Hightower first. Right, it can, the it can still happen. That's yeah. right. it's, it's amazing, though. You talk about Solder. Like, we said, oh, my gosh, what are you, crazy? You got a 41-year-old quarterback, blah, blah, blah. What happens? Eli can't stay clean. 
Patriots. Yeah, it doesn't. I, mean, I, I don't know. I'm just like telling a, you. I, it's not like a, a perfect fit, but I mean, every time, like it's not like no, it doesn't but, always work out. No, but, uh, well, of course not. Not always, but I, they do do some head scratching things, and then we all say, okay, that was really good. Yeah. Good job. But, but again, as Amy mentioned, they have Isaiah Wynn coming back, a first-round pick from Georgia, who's very athletic. So they they had him for a year, albeit he got hurt. But at least they have a plan. Last year, when Everyone's like, well, they can't let Nate Silder go because of Tom Brady's right. age. They made that great trade with San Francisco. The flop picks later on in the draft to get Trent Brown, who people thought was an underachiever. Trent Brown played exceptionally well this mm-hmm. year. And, and now they'll plug in Isaiah Wynn, probably draft another player with all those extra compensatory picks, and, and on they go. Yeah, I mean, they, they also have holes to fill. I mean, they're, those aren't the only players. Like, there they go again. Yeah. But they're, yeah, I mean, because yeah, I mean, I mean, you I mean, think about the Patriots, it, you know, I think they have like 12 picks this year. Oh, so let me tell you, just, covering just, the Patriots in the draft is like Operation Paint Dry. Because they don't even pick. They just like a stockpile. I mean, you just sort of sit there. So, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised exciting. with all those picks that they wouldn't take a quarterback at some point, you know, knowing obviously Tom Brady's age. And, look, Jimmy Garoppolo came, was developed, moved on. They got Brian Hoyer. But I wouldn't be surprised with all those draft choices they have at some point for them to take a quarterback. So it's, so it's almost 3 o'clock. We're, we're making our way 4 o'clock, the deadline. So assuming we don't have anything else um, develop, Landon Collins the biggest surprise of the, of the franchise yeah, tag? Yeah, absolutely. Situation? I mean, Seems it's like really it. the only surprise, to be honest, like from, a, from the standpoint that, I mean, you talked about the Patriots, but Landon Collins, a young star in the NFL just walking unfettered into free agency, and, and I'll, I'll give the Giants credit. I would imagine he's sort of skipping. Right. I'll give Dave Gettleman credit. Like, he's using the franchise tag the right way if he's not doing it with the good intentions of doing a long-term contract. We are now one hour and change from the 4 o'clock Eastern franchise tag deadline. Everybody has to be tagged or not tagged. Then you have until July 15th to work out a deal. But if it's not done by 4, Mike, what happens? Not happening. You're a free agent. You're a free agent. You just walk right in. All right, listen. It's Fat Tuesday, and that's why we came up with this. Hat Tuesday, what are you all in on? Franchise Tag Edition, you're our guest. Mike, go, go first. I'm taking the star, Demarcus Lawrence. Oh, 27 year second old. year in a row. Yeah, Pastor, good point. Don't let him walk out. Get the deal done. Don't let him become the Kirk Cousins of defensive ends. Great football player. All right. I'm going to go to the Eagles because of their... Because it's just their professionalism. Just not using the tag on Nick Foles. Not holding him hostage for any longer. Fair enough. The guy is a legend. He like deserves that. a statue. And now he also deserves his freedom. I like that. I'm going Pittsburgh Steelers not tagging Le'Veon Bell. They were, you know, talk about the transition tag. They've had a lot of tum- turmoil in the locker room. Just move, time to move on. South Carolina, baby. I'm going to Devion Clowney oh, from go. my home state. He's yeah. playing well. Uh, that's right. Get this deal done. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> 